we're going to get started in just a moment and we're going to pray. And, and, and before we pray, um, I'd like for you to ask yourself a question. And, and really the heart of this question is why am I here? And so I want you to ask yourself this question. Am I here today at church to hear about God or am I here today at church to hear from God? Am I here today to hear about God or am I here today to hear from God? Very subtle difference, but that subtle difference could mean everything. See, at Solid Rock, we believe by faith that when we open the Bible together, that we hear from God. And that's our prayer every time we get together on Sunday mornings as we gather as his people and we open the Bible together, we ask God to speak to us. And I wanna pray for that right now. Um, Let's pray together. Father, thank you for um, ordaining this time, this place, this group of people. And God, I know in this room there are those who have trusted in you, who believe in you, who are Christians. And, And God, we need, we desire to hear from you. And God, I also believe that there are those in this room who who aren't Christians, who don't know you, and God, the need is the same. That God, they could hear from you today. I pray, God, you would speak. As we open the Bible together, would you speak to each one of us, God, that we might hear from you today and be transformed. We pray these things in the powerful name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, we're gonna be in Genesis 22 this morning. As we continue in the sermon series entitled The Christmas Journey, um, what we're doing in this sermon series is we're looking at a journey that a man by the name of Abraham took in Genesis 22 with his son Isaac. Uh, We looked last week how God called Abraham to take a journey, um, to take his son Isaac to a mountain that he would show him later on and to sacrifice his son as a burnt offering. And last week, we looked at how that was a journey of obedience. And we talked about the relationship between authority and obedience. And today what we're going to talk about is the gap between authority and obedience. And let me explain what I mean by that. So as a Christian, um, I desire to obey God. Okay. God is an authority to me. I have other authorities in my life, local authorities, the law, the speed limit is an authority, right? The police officers in our community are an authority. The federal government is an authority, but the highest authority in my life is God himself. Now, As my authority, I desire to obey him, but I don't obey him fully, and I don't obey him completely and perfectly. Now, anybody else with me? Just to make sure I'm not the only one in the room. Okay, so we struggle. We say on one hand God is our authority, but there's a gap between him being our authority and then carrying out in obedience. And so today we're going to talk about that gap between God's authority in our lives and our obedience towards him. And so we're going to start in verse 4 together and pick up the story. Genesis 22, starting in verse 4. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes, and he saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them, together. 
And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. And he said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. I'm going to start in verse 4 this morning as we look at what it means to take a journey of trusting God. Now we've already seen obedience from Abraham, but the question we're asking today is why did Abraham choose to obey? What was it that bridged the gap between God's authoritative voice in his life and his willingness to obey? And so what we're picking up on the story is we're three days into this journey. Right? So God said, Abraham, take your son Isaac, your only son, whom you love, and I want you to go offer him on a mountain, and I'll tell you where the mountain is later. I want you to offer him up as a burnt offering. So Abraham, we saw last week, gathered up his stuff, left early in the morning, no hesitation, obeyed God. Now we're three days into the journey, and what we're going to see today is, a, is, is, is really a corner being turned for Abraham. Right, we've seen obedience so far, but what we're about to see is his obedience is going to turn up a notch three days into the journey. Now, I want you to think about what we just read. Three days in, Abraham lifted up his eyes, and he saw the place from afar. Why does that matter? Why is that detail in the Bible? Because here's what we know. Three days into the journey, Abraham still doesn't know where he's going. He's still walking by faith. He's got his servants with him. He's got the firewood loaded up on the donkey. He's got his son, and they're traveling. But this is the point where he looks up, and what God has asked of him becomes reality. He sees the mountain. Something stirs inside of him and says, Abraham, that's the one. And now he can see the mountain. He's already beginning to think, how are we going to get up there? What what route are we going to take? Where are the switchbacks? How are we going to get to the top? And this, this big request from God now becomes a huge reality for a dad when he sees the actual mountain. Now, I want to talk this morning about trust. And before we get any further into the conversation, I want to break trust down for us so we can understand what we mean when we say, I trust you. Trust is a, is a big deal, right? You don't just give that away. Like candy, like it's, it's, it's a big deal for you to give trust to a friend, to, to an authority, to a boyfriend, a girlfriend. And when somebody violates that trust, it's even harder to ever give it again, right? So trust is a fragile thing. It's something that we, we place a lot, a lot of value on. So what is trust at the end of the day? What do we mean by that? So trust, you can break trust down really into three things. And if any one of these three things are missing, there's no trust, Let's start first with intent. When you say you trust someone, what you're saying is I trust your intent. I trust that you're for my good. I trust that your intentions towards me are good. And so I like to use the idea of an auto mechanic um, as an illustration. I don't know if you have an auto mechanic you can trust. Um, I do. I have, I have several that I can trust. John Grubb, high five. Boom. Right? See? I love you. Now, if I say I trust my auto mechanic, what I'm saying is I believe this person has my vehicles, uh, fixing my vehicle in, 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 their, in their mind, like that's their, in their interest, right? Their intent is to fix 
the vehicle. I'm getting my words jumbled up here, right? So their intent is good. They're, they're, not, they're not desiring to break my vehicle, right? I can trust their intent. They're going to put everything they've got into it to fix it, not to make it worse. Now, intent alone isn't enough, right? Right? The best intentions in the world can only carry you so far. I need more than that. I need competency. I need to know that not only do you have my best intentions in mind and you, you mean to fix my car, but I'd like to know that you know how, right? That you're not going to try to pull the manual out of the glove box and figure this thing out on the fly, but you have the competency and the know-how to fix it. Now, those are two elements of trust, intent and competency. But there's a third element, and this is the idea of ability. Not only am I saying I trust your intent, I trust that you know how to do this, what I'm ultimately saying is I believe you're able. Right? I believe that if I leave my car in your hands, you are able to fix it. Now, that's with an auto mechanic. When we talk about important relationships, those three things apply as well. If I trust you, I'm saying I trust your intent towards me, right? That you, you mean to do good things in my, for me or to me. You don't mean to harm me. You don't, want, you don't mean evil against me. You mean good towards me. I trust your intent. But I also am saying I trust your competency and I trust your ability. Now, we're going to apply those things to God because we see trust is radiating out of this story as Abraham now in verse 5 is going to take a next step of trust with God. So up until this point, keep this in mind, although Abraham is walking by faith, He's sharing the burden of this journey with his servants and with the donkey, right? So he's not just taking this journey alone, right? He's following God in obedience, but he's got this donkey to carry the wood. He's got his servants here to help out. But what's about to happen in verse 5 is he's going to leave all these things behind and now take that next step of trust in God. Look at verse 5 with me. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. And I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. So this is a significant detail. God wants us to see that Abraham's about to take a step forward in trusting. He sees the mountain. His heart is stirring. He says, that's the one. It's about to become very real. And he says to his servants, guys, this is as far as you can go. You stay here with the donkey from this point forward, it's just going to be me and Isaac walking. Verse 6, and Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. So try to imagine that. He straps the firewood on the back of his son Isaac. And then he took in his hand the fire and the knife. And so they went, both of them, together. Now, Abraham's got a, a little dilemma here. He's, what does he say to his servants? You guys stay here. I'm going over there to do what? To worship. So Abraham intends to go worship God. He also intends to bring his son back with him, doesn't he? But here comes the dilemma. He also intends to do what? To sacrifice his son. Nothing about this moment makes sense to me. Right? Nothing about this makes logical sense to Abraham. How can a dad intend to go worship God on a mountain, take his son with him, sacrifice his son, and bring his son back. It's a little bit of a dilemma, isn't it? And yet he says, you guys stay here. Isaac and I are going to go forward from here. We're going to worship, and we're going to come back to you. 
Now, what we have to understand right at this point in time, Abraham's faith is not rooted in his own ability, and he also does not know what God's plan is. See, we're tempted to read ahead and realize that at just the right moment, God provides a ram, so that's why Abraham was so confident. But we're going to see today, Abraham had no idea what God's plan was. His confidence, his faith is not rooted in his ability to figure it out or in knowing that God has this plan B. His trust is rooted in one thing, God's trustworthiness. At the end of the day, Abraham's thinking this doesn't make sense. God's asking me to do something impossible. But I know God is trustworthy. I can trust that God's intentions for my son are good. I can trust that even though this doesn't make sense to me, God is competent, he is wise, he is all-knowing. And not only that, we're going to see, I trust that God is able. Verse 7. And Isaac, he begins to catch on, doesn't he? He says to his father, my father and Abraham said, well, here I am, son. And he says, Dad, I see the fire, and I see the wood. I'm starting to put two and two together. Where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And in verse 8, look at what Abraham says. Son, God will what? Provide. He will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering my son so they went both of them together now again we're going to find out in a minute that Abraham doesn't know what God's plan is all he knows is God will provide for all he knows God's provision for this sacrifice is his son Isaac because ultimately God is the one who provided Isaac right and so when Abraham says hey hey Isaac God's gonna provide of the possible ways that God will provide Abraham is probably thinking and most likely thinking, Isaac, you're the lamb. We didn't bring a lamb because you're the lamb. But he doesn't say that. He simply says, God will provide. Whether, whether Isaac is the provision or God provides a, you know, a ram caught in the thicket at the last minute, God is the provider. But ultimately, God is able When I was thinking this week about what it means to trust, even when things don't make sense or you're scared to death, and I was thinking about um, an experience I had in my life where I went skydiving at the age of 20. And so some of you have been skydiving, so you, you can relate to what I'm about to talk to, talk to you about. The rest of you are way more competent and wise than, than us. And so um, I went skydiving back when it was just starting to become trendy to go skydiving, like these little private operations were popping up out in the country with their own private little um, mode piece of grass they called an airstrip and this plane that didn't have a door and right these were, there was just this kind of trendy thing that was happening I was just 20 years old and I had a friend who's like hey let's go skydiving for our birthdays and I'm like yeah let's do that and then I started thinking wait a second what do you mean skydive you can do that like you can go somewhere and you can go skydiving and that's like real I'm like yeah it's real there's this place out in the country it's all good like okay so one step at a time I'll go so we went, and the first thing they do, you do, they bring you in and do this orientation, and they train you on how this is going to go down. So I'm sitting there in a folding chair listening to the instructor with a video and a dry erase board try to convince us that this was a good idea. 
to jump out of an airplane at 13,500 feet, not with a parachute strapped to your back, but with a guy strapped to your back who has a parachute strapped to his back, trusting that he's going to pull the ripcord at the right time. Yeah. Trust, right? And so I'm sitting there watching this video and listening to this training. I'm asking these questions. I'm like, first of all, can I trust this guy's intent? Does he intend for me to live through this? I need to know. Like, is he speaking in future tense? Hey, after we land, here's what you do, right? Can I trust this guy's intent? Does he intend to bring me back alive? That matters to me, right? So I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm asking these questions and, and then I'm, I'm th- starting to think, well, what about his competency? Does this guy know what he's doing? Like, is he speaking in, in technical words? Is he explaining things like he seems like a guy who knows what he's doing? Or is this like his first time, right? And so I'm listening and... And he's writing on the board and I'm making sure he's spelling words correctly and he's putting his words together and correct. Like this guy, has he been to school? Like I want to know that. Who am I trusting myself to? Are his intentions good? Does he intend to keep me alive? And does he have the competency to keep me alive regardless of what his intentions are? And of course the third question is, the end of the day, is he able? And so I'm watching this video. I'm looking to see him jumping out of a plane with somebody else. Right, just to know, okay, this guy is capable of pulling this off. And I, and I thought this way every step along the way. So we went from training in the classroom, we went outside to get fitted for our harnesses, and I'm watching, I'm studying him. Does this look like the first time he's ever put a harness on? Is he reading the tag on the back? I think it goes this way. Or does it look like this is routine for him? Can I trust myself to this guy? Because in just a few minutes, I'm going to lock in, and my entire life is in his hands. His intent, his competency, and his ability. So we get into the airplane, have our harnesses on, we take off. Basically, it was a lawnmower with, with wings, and it had, the door was missing. It was, it was pretty, it was pretty uh, rickety, to say the least. So we're, we're up in the air. We get to cruising altitude, 13,500 feet. There's clouds below us. Somewhere below us is a target that we want to hit at a relatively slow speed. Okay, We don't want to just hit the target. We want to hit it at a certain rate of speed to where we don't die. And so we're listening. We don't know who's going first. There's the two or three of us in there. And sure enough, they call my instructor's name. He taps me on the shoulder. And I tap him back. Hey, what's up? Like, no, no, no. He taps me again. That's us. We're going first. Like, oh. Everything. Everything is about to come down to this one decision. Am I going to jump? Right? And so he calls our name. We spin our feet over. My feet go out on the little rail. And here we go. Point and no return. He counts to three, here we go, Whew, out the airplane, we turn three flips, he planes us out with his hands, and I don't remember much of the rest of it. <laughs> but, I was asking these same questions every step of the way. I had to stop and ask myself, one more time, can I trust this guy? And I see that in Abraham's story. Every step of the way, he gets to this place in the journey, he's three days in, and now he can see the mountain, and he stops. Checks his heart again. All right. Is God trustworthy? I know what he's asked me to do. That's not what I'm asking. Is he trustworthy? Does he have my best intentions in mind? Is he competent enough? Is he capable enough to fulfill all that he has promised? And so Abraham leaves behind his servants and the donkey He takes his son, he has the firewood, he has the knife, he has the fire, 
And the scripture says, they went, both of them, together. A journey of trust. Now, when we get to the book of Hebrews chapter 11, we get some insight into what Abraham was actually thinking. This is really helpful. So in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 17, look at what the Bible says. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested. Now, why is that an important line? Well, if we go back to the first verse in the story, we read that God comes to Abraham to do what? Test him. So this is, this is the New Testament talking about this moment in the Old Testament. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, he offered up Isaac. Very simple phrase. What do we know about Genesis 22, we know that Abraham fully intended to offer up his son. He, didn't, he was not just going through the motions, waiting on God to step in at the last minute and call the thing off. From the beginning, Abraham's hands were open and he was offering up his son. And he, that's Abraham, who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. And what we have to understand is, as Christians, there is more on the line than the life of Isaac. Now that's a big deal, and that's a lot to have on the line. But we can't lose sight of the fact that Isaac is the one through whom God made this huge promise that frames the rest of your Bible. God said to Abraham before Isaac was born, Abraham, you're going to have a son. And through your son, I'm going to raise up this great nation. And through that great nation, I'm going to bless all other nations. So Isaac's life is on the line, but so is the reputation of God. Right? Is God going to fulfill his promises through Isaac? And how can God fulfill his promises through Isaac if Abraham kills him. And so Hebrews 11 says that Abraham was fully engaged, fully obedient, fully trusting in God with his son Isaac. And then verse 19 gives us more insight. He being Abraham, listen to this, this is why he trusted God. He considered that God was what? He was able. He was able. God did not tell Abraham, Abraham, come here, let me whisper in your ear what the real plan is. God didn't say, Abraham, I know that I'm going to tell you to kill your son, and that's what we're going to write down in the Bible, but just come here. Hey, I'm going to call it off at the end, and I'm going to provide a ram for you. That's, that's not what happened. All Abraham knew is God said, offer up your son. He offered up his son, and his trust was rooted in one truth. God was what? Abel. See, that's the bottom line question when God calls you to something. That's the gap between God's authoritative voice in your life and your obedience. The bridge for that gap is do you trust him? Not does it make sense. Nothing about this story makes sense. Right? Not is this going to make me happy. Nothing about what Abraham is doing seems like it's going to make him happy. The bottom line is this. Do you trust God? Is he able? 
And so the, the author of Hebrews gives us some insight into Abraham's faith and says that he, Abraham, considered that God was able, listen to this, even to raise him from the dead. Abraham had no idea that God was going to switch Isaac out with the ram at the last minute. He was believing what? That God was powerful enough to raise Isaac back from the dead. And then he goes, the author goes on to say, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. It was kind of like a resurrection. Now, I want to stop and ask a question before we go any further. What does this have to do with Christmas? Why are we walking through this story during the Advent season? Well, what we have to remember, and this is so important for us as Christians, we just sang about it. One of the, the tendencies as Christians is, one of our tendencies is to, when we fully embrace the deity of Christ, we somehow begin to dismiss the humanity of Christ. And so we read stories like Jesus resurrecting from the grave, and we think, well, that's no big deal when you're the son of God, because you know how things are going to end, you're all powerful, you're all knowing, no big deal. And we forget, we lose sight of the reality that Jesus was fully deity, son of God, but he was also fully human. He was tempted and tried. Right? He suffered. He felt pain. He knew what it was like to be betrayed by a friend. Any of you guys ever been betrayed by somebody you've trusted? Okay. Jesus fully knows what that feels like as a human being. He's fully God, fully human. And here's why I'm bringing that up. Because sometimes we lose sight of the reality that Jesus himself is subject to the same relational constraints that we are. In other words... In order for Jesus to have a trusting relationship, there has to be love. There has to be faithfulness. There has to be trustworthiness. And we lose sight of the reality and the truth that God the Father sent the Son and the Son, Jesus, trusted his dad, God the Father. We lose sight of that reality that the Holy Spirit is in relationship with the Son and the Father. And the Holy Spirit honors Jesus the Son and honors the Father. See, the Godhead Right? It's subject to the same relational constraints, the same relational virtues that you and I are. Matter of fact, that's where we get our relational virtues. It's from him. We as human beings are created in his image. That's why trust is a part of having a solid relationship. Love, faithfulness, honor. We're called to do those things because it reflects the way God interacts in a relationship. Have you thought about that? Jesus trusts the Father. See how we take that for granted? Well, he's deity. Of course he does. No, that's a big deal. Look at 2 Peter chapter 2 with me, and I think we're going to see the essence of, of why this story relates to Christmas. Look at verse 21. This is 1 Peter chapter 2. Verse 21 says, For to this you have been called. Because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so you might follow in his steps. So verse 21 says, Christians, Jesus has given you an example to follow. Verse 22, he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he reviled he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. But he continued entrusting himself to him who judges 
justly. Jesus didn't come to earth and fulfill everything that we read about in the Bible only because he was the son of God. He did so in a relationship with the Father and he was entrusting himself to whom? The Father. Think about that. Here's why this is so important. Christmas, we talked about this last week, is about celebrating the obedience of Jesus as he took a step as he took a step away from his throne and entrusted himself to his father. What does that mean? Think about that. Jesus became born as a human baby to a couple of inexperienced parents. He was born into infamy and poverty. Talk about trusting the father, right? Talk about wanting to go to to dad and say, are you sure this is the right plan? Like, is this the way you wanna save the world? I'm your son, I'm sitting on a throne of authority over the universe and you want me to be born in Bethlehem in a a manger to Joseph and Mary? They have no kids, right? Like that's the plan? You see how Jesus entrusted himself to the Father. That's what we're celebrating at Christmas. And we go on in 2 Peter chapter 2 to read, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were straying like a sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And what Peter is saying to us as the church, listen, Christians, you should follow Jesus' example. But what did Jesus do? He entrusted himself to the Father. That's the bottom line here between God's voice in our lives and our obedience to God's voice. Do we trust him? And it's not enough to put on a t-shirt that says, I trust God. Or to print money that says, in God we trust. Or to put a bumper sticker on my car that says, God is trustworthy. Because what we mean by that, we say God is trustworthy. We're saying several things. We're saying, first of all, I trust his intent. God is for my good. God wants better for me than I want for myself. I can trust God's wisdom, right? His ways are not my ways. His wisdom is higher than my wisdom. Listen, students, if I could tell you something about your life journey, God's gonna call you to do things that don't make sense to you. He's gonna call you to do things that don't make sense to the culture around you. He's gonna call you to do things that cuts against the grain of the culture around you, right? Okay? And the bottom line won't be what retreat you went to, what t-shirt you have on. The bottom line will be in that moment, do you believe God is trustworthy? Because if you don't believe he is, guess what? You're not gonna trust him, you're not gonna obey him, and you're not gonna walk in faith. You see how that's all connected? Abraham is walking in obedience because at the end of the day, he can say nothing else to Isaac but this, Isaac, I don't know how God is gonna work this out, but he's trustworthy, and I know that. So whatever he asks of me, I'm gonna do it. And I don't know how he's gonna work it out. One one option is he may have to bring you back from the dead. But that's the way he wants to fulfill this. I trust him because he is trustworthy. And 
Peter says, listen, Christians, you're called to follow in that same example. Now, I want to point something out here that I think is so important. In the story of Abraham and Isaac, we're seeing what's called a foreshadowing of what is to come. That's kind of like a prophecy. It's a reflection of something that hasn't happened yet. And so when Abraham is there trusting God in the thick of it, ultimately, Hebrews says he was trusting in the resurrection. That bottom line, God can raise my son from the dead. And we're seeing a foreshadow of of the real resurrection of Jesus himself here. So ultimately, Abraham's trust in God was a reflection of a resurrection that hadn't even happened yet. Now, listen, the resurrection has happened. And so now, on the other side of the resurrection, listen, that's where our trust in God comes from. That's how we know he's trustworthy. We look back to the resurrection. Did he leave his son in the grave? No. We can trust his intentions. Did he leave his son in the the grave because he couldn't figure out how to resurrect him? No, he resurrected. God is able. And that's where we look to to see that God is trustworthy. He resurrected his son from the grave. And that should fuel our trust in him and fuel our obedience to him. If you find yourself in a hard situation and you're having a hard time obeying God, what you don't need is to, is to, to white knuckle it through the situation. You know what I mean? Just grit your teeth and I'm gonna be obedient. You know what we need? We need to stop and do what Abraham did and we need to reflect on the resurrection and we need to remind ourselves that God is trustworthy. He is able. He is good. He is all-knowing. He is omniscient. He is omnipotent. He is completely capable of pulling this off in my life. And listen, God's gonna call you to do things, church, that don't make sense. God may call you to share the gospel with somebody who like, you work with or go to school with who maybe is an atheist. Right, and you're gonna think, well, that doesn't make sense because the last person who tried to share Jesus with this, with this cat, you know, they got angry at him or made fun of him. Whatever. You know, There's just no way this person's ever gonna become a Christian. Right, and God said, listen, are you gonna trust in that or are you gonna trust in me? Maybe God's calling you to reconcile relationship and you're like, there's just no way this relationship would ever, ever be fixed. The last thing I wanna do is touch it with a 10-foot pole. Every time I try to fix it, it gets worse. They get madder at me. They get more hurt. There's more misunderstanding. You know, all those excuses are rooted in what? My ability. And God says, no, 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 stop. Stop for a minute. I'm not asking you to trust in yourself. I'm asking you to trust in me. You're right. You can't fix that relationship. I can. You can't lead this person to become a Christian. I can. Bottom line is, do we trust God? Maybe you walked in here today, and if I'd asked you at the very beginning of the sermon, hey, do you trust God? Maybe you would have raised your hand, but now you're realizing, you know what? I don't fully trust God with my life. Because if I did, I would be more what? Obedient. Maybe today you're thinking, you know what? I don't know that I've ever trusted God. Maybe you've never taken that first step of trusting Jesus for salvation. Listen, nothing about that first step is supposed to make sense. God is simply saying, I've laid out an invitation for you. Here's the question, are you gonna trust me? You know, maybe you're one of those people who you're waiting on God to answer all your questions first before you become a Christian. Like, how can a loving God let bad things happen? And you're just wrestling with all these hesitations and God said, listen, I'm either trustworthy or I'm not. And so maybe that's you today and and God's calling you to take that first step of faith 
towards trusting in Jesus. My prayer is that you'll do that today. And maybe there's something specific going on in your life right now and you know what God's calling you to do but you've just been in this cycle of hesitation. He brings it up and you think about it just long enough in church to feel convicted and then you just try to shut it out and ignore that God's speaking to you on something. So maybe the day day that you take a step back and ask yourself this question, is God trustworthy? Because if I believe he is, then no matter what he's asking me to do, like Abraham said, he is able. So I don't know where you are today. Um, I want to remind you as as we get ready to pray together that when, when the Holy Spirit of God speaks to us, we are hearing a voice of authority, okay? The Holy Spirit is not hovering through the room making suggestions on how to make your life better, okay? When God speaks to us, we need to hear it as a voice of authority. And our willingness to obey that authority, right, is rooted in whether or not we believe God is trustworthy, And so I want to leave you with that thought today as we pray together. Um, I'm going to ask our prayer partners to come forward and and for you to consider what it means to take a step of of obedience and faith today. Um, Maybe maybe you're that person who's here today and you're like, you know what, I've I've never let go of everything to trust in Jesus for the first time. I'm going to pray that you'll make that decision today. If God puts it on your heart to talk with somebody, to get some things off your chest, would you come grab one of our prayer partners? If God's putting it on your heart to to pursue a relationship with somebody that's broken, would you leave here today and take a step of faith and pursue that relationship? Set up a conversation, set up a coffee, set up a lunch, set up a dinner, make a commitment. Let's pray together and we'll respond. Father, we thank you for, God, your trustworthiness. And and honestly, God, our, our, our struggle to obey you, our struggle to follow your example for, for so many of us is that we're still struggling to fully believe. And I thank you that through the story of Abraham and Isaac this morning, you remind us of the resurrection. The bottom line is, God, you are trustworthy. You didn't abandon your son. You resurrected him. Father, in each of our lives, there's a step of obedience you're calling us to take. God, I pray right now you would stir in our hearts. You would show us just how trustworthy you are. God, we ask for your Holy Spirit to move through this room, to move through our hearts. God, where we are broken and bruised, I pray, God, you would bring healing. God, where we are walking in rebellion and sin, I pray you would bring conviction. Father, I pray for the person who's here today who has not taken that step of faith to trust in Jesus. Today would be the day of salvation. So Holy Spirit, move through this room, stir in our hearts as we respond in Jesus' name.